Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Touching Success. This is about special education. I'm trying to approach everything from all different angles. My companion today, my African Grey, is Sterling, and he often likes to contribute to the conversations. So if you're curious as to what you're hearing in the background, that is the noise. Today I want to discuss the different people that are involved in special education directly or indirectly. One of the most important groups of people that are completely involved are parents. Parents, I'm giving you a shout out. You have your hands full all day long. Your only break may be when the kids come to school and start working with their teachers. But that's after you've gotten them all the way up to being old enough to go to school. And then after they're at school, you're involved because of IEP meetings, individual education plans. You have to keep an eye on everything going on. If there's behavior challenges that the child has, you have to be available to help schools handle and deal with those. So there's any number of things that are on your plate that some of us just can't really fully appreciate. Some disabilities that children have, as you as the parent would know in the situation, is those disabilities don't show up at birth and they may not even be noticed in about third grade is usually where we see a lot of disabilities coming forth that we didn't know before. Some children are born with the disabilities either because it was a premature birth and as a result of the treatment the child ended up being disabled. This means that the child will have to be cared for physically as well as cognitively. In some children, it'll be very difficult on the cognitive side because it could be that they are very delayed. And if this isn't your first child that has these difficulties, now you're trying to balance having other children and also your child with disabilities. And that's a lot of work. That is so much work. Give yourself so many pats on the back for managing that. Kudos to you. I also want to recognize that you have emotional needs that may not be being met. For example, you can't go out with a friend or maybe somebody you would like to date because you're busy taking care of your kid and finding a babysitter who can manage the child's needs is just too difficult if possible. You may be up late at night dealing with any variety of issues and so you're probably exhausted all the time because of that. I also want you to know that it is normal for you to be feeling worried and scared and nervous about what is going to happen to your child in the future. Are they going to be able to live on their own at all? Are they going to always need care? If they do, how do you go about doing that? All those different things that just sit in your head and they just sort of swarm around at you. And those are things that you need to make sure you work with the school on. They might be able to help you get your needs met in this area or the child's needs met in this area. Schools have a lot of good resources. You just sometimes have to chase them down. There's also the financial cost that goes with having a child with certain types of disabilities. Some of these children have high medical needs and those medical needs will always be there. For example, a child who is tube fed, you can't stop tube feeding a child. And so that's a medical expense that parents who have children with that will always have. There's children who have seizures on a regular basis. So there's medication that the child needs to help slow down the amount of seizures and the length of the seizures. So know that you're not alone on having to find uh, help with medical finances.
I'm afraid and apologize, but I'm not a good resource on how you would go about obtaining more finances for your child's care. But there are resources out there, so don't give up. As teachers in special education, we really need to keep those things in mind that the parents are dealing with, such as being tired, having more than one child, worried about the future for their child, worried about finances currently to help their child or children. Please keep that in mind when you are dealing with the parents because they just don't need one more negative thing coming at them, if at all possible, to avoid. In general, I think 99.99% of the parents that we work with want the absolute best for their child. Sometimes I think that they don't understand what that actually means, and that's not their fault if nobody sat them down and taken the time to educate them. I'm going to give an example. I worked with a student many, many, many years ago. The family in the school, even though she was already in high school, had no idea the consequences of her disability. To keep it brief, essentially if the student got hit hard by anything, a ball coming at her, somebody tackling her for some reason thinking they were being funny, could jar her hard enough that it could loosen the ligaments further and it could cause her more physical disabilities. So the school and the parents did not know that. Nobody, even though she was in high school already, had stopped and explained to them that those were things that could happen and they needed to keep a close eye on her as a result. And when I brought all of that to their attention, they were shocked. They really honestly did not know. So I gave them a website that they could go and look up the information and be more educated. Another example was a child, he was nonverbal, and I was working with him, and the parent had seven other kids, and this particular child needed a medicine that was kind of a pain medicine, but she didn't really understand that that was what the medication was for, but she asked me if I forget to give this medication to this child, will he be in a lot of pain? And it shocked me to hear that question because by high school, I would have thought she would have known the answer to that. So don't assume that your parents even know everything that they need to know. However, don't treat them as if they know nothing. That's not fair to them. Most parents are educated on their kid's disability and they want you to partner up with them so that they can get the best possible care and education for their child. So always try to be a team member with the parents. You will get so much further because these parents have had to go through a whole bunch, especially the kids who are born with a physical disability. They've had people going in and out of their house since the child was born, all there to physical therapy, occupational therapy, and all the other specialists. So work as a team and supporting each other in their knowledge. The child is going to be different from other children with the same condition. It's just the nature of how things are. It's also important to provide them with resources, like Parents Helping Parents is one of them. There's lots of listservs out there for different types of disabilities. So look into that, join one for yourself, and just really be supportive for these parents who are working so hard. Next, I'd like to bring in admin or administration into the topic because admin does control so much of what happens in a school district. And each school district and schools completely organized differently. Go and learn your way around all the different components to how special education is administered. 
For example, one of the school districts that I worked in had program managers, the principals, school psychologists, assistant special ed department person, then the special ed head person, and one time the job was split into two for special education administration between the fifth grade and down and then sixth grade and up. I actually kind of liked it because it told me who I could go to when I was having some problems. But there were also program managers, and those program managers did different schools, and they were the first go-to person, so I had to find out who had what school, go to that person, and then just keep jumping up until somebody could give me an answer for my problem. But I did have this one manager who was a program manager, but she did not introduce herself that way when I started at this district, she actually called me up and said, hey, I have this report and it needs to be do- done and you haven't done it yet and where is it? And I, I didn't have any clue who she was. And it's like, who is this? And she tells me and I was like, okay, so what do you do that I need to be writing this mysterious report for you? Well, it should have been done by now and it's great, but I don't know who you are. And finally she says, well, I'm the program manager for the for the." Uh, TK to three years of age. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that. I will get right on it. And luckily the parents were very cooperative and were willing to bring their child into my school so I could give him a good thorough assessment. I know I'm kind of starting off on the negative against supervisors, but I think sometimes that needs to come out first. And then you can talk about the wonderfulness of the really good ones. But the other one that I had, I wasn't really going to talk much about the situation that I found myself in with her, but I just kept thinking about it and thinking that it needed to be dealt with. So this one time in a circumstance, I was working on a report and wanted to make sure that it was accessible to people who were blind. And I formatted it different than I normally do because of that. I didn't like the look of it, but the supervisor didn't like the look of it. And she didn't even seem to know that a small team of us were working on that to try and improve accessibility. Well, so I bring the report to her and she says, this isn't how we format our reports. You need to go redo that. I tried to explain to her what was going on. And all she did was look at me and tell me, well, I'm not going to worry about disabilities right now. And that has bothered me ever since. And kind of made me glad that I was able to leave that school pretty quick because I just can't work with somebody who supervises special education children and yet doesn't want to take into account the blind teachers that we had to work with in that district. I can only hope that this person has been re-educated and is somebody that other people would be proud to work under but I certainly was not when I was there and that made me sad. The supervisor that I was under that I had for the longest was a bit different in her way of managing her staff. She very rarely actually would tell you directly what to do. She'd tell you a story related to it and you kind of had to pull off the parts to figure out exactly what she meant. That being said, she was also the most supportive supervisor I probably had. She really fought for getting me time off when my dad was getting sick with cancer and I had to be there for him. I could have lost my job over that, but 
because I used up all of my personal leave, but she helped me get the family program set up in place for me and just kept saying, don't worry about us. Don't worry about your students. We'll take care of it. It's all taken care of just constantly. And it happened more than once. And she had the same response each time. And she always knew what was going on in people's lives. Not that she shared them, but we all knew she knew about what was going on in our life. And she just made a good supervisor in that sense. She was usually positive. I never saw her angry, angry. I saw her irritated, but never angry. Another supervisor I had, one of my first, he was different in the way he approached things as well because you would go to him for help with the problem and if it wasn't something he felt he needed to deal with, he would just turn to you and he would say, there's always something. That was his mantra and we all knew it before the end of the first semester. There's always something. But not only that, when he did his supervising, he would tend to pick a day that he felt was your busiest and then tag along with you to see how things were going on your days, how are you handling things. And I always said that that was kind of a neat way of learning about what we were doing as itinerants because you can't just pop in on them like you can a classroom teacher and all he had to go on was the papers that the school sent out that said how is this teacher doing in your school and you know rate one to five if they're doing this this or that and he just felt he wanted a better idea of what was going on so he was another really unique supervisor that I felt I hope that he went far. Okay so those are some examples of supervisors I've worked for. What makes a good supervisor? I think one for me is that doesn't micromanage every little thing is supportive kind of knows what's going on in your life maybe not in detail but knows you know that your family member just passed away and maybe that's why you're a little bit moody those kinds of things that they they know and understand that when you have ideas and you present them they don't treat you like you're from outer space with some crazy idea that maybe they'll even try to help you implement it if not they can just politely say no that's not going to happen i think a supervisor who stays in constant contact as far as communication goes is helpful even if it's just a check-in from time to time. Uh, I had one supervisor who required me to check in every two weeks through either email or in person. And that was great because then I saved all my questions up for the things I was dealing with and we dealt with at these meetings or email meetings. Nowadays, I imagine it would be a Zoom meeting, but I always thought that that was really uh, nice. I knew I had the set time that I was going to be meeting with her. I think you need to have a supervisor who is educated in the field they're supervising. If they are educating over kids who have deafness, say, then they should be trained, if not in sign language, which you would think they would be. If not, then they would understand the implications of how a hearing loss would affect a student in their classroom. I think a supervisor who goes out of the way to, to give you a compliment or praise you is fantastic because... You know, you don't necessarily get a lot of that, especially if you're in the classroom. You are very much involved for the whole time there in your room, just working, 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 working. And it, I mean, it's really great when, you know, a seven or eight year old looks up at you and says, oh, you're my favorite teacher. That'll make your day. But it's also kind of nice when it comes from above, too. We noticed the other day that you were doing such and such, and we thought that was a really good thing and just wanted to let you know. Or maybe even, this is just a crazy idea I came up with, a a binder of some sort that is yours and they can come through and write in it uh, the things that they like that you're doing. 
and then you just check it a couple times a week or whatever it is. I know it would be more work for the administration, but I think at the same time, if you can build morale, they'll build each other, you know, we'll, we'll work together as a team better, all the whole teachers and everything, because we'll feel okay about being there and wanting to be there and not wanting to avoid administration. Some people are like, oh no, here comes the principal, and they lock the door, and they close the curtains, and they hide under their desk, and now I, know, I don't know anybody who's hidden under their desk, but I know other, the other things I know teachers will do sometimes. I just finding a way to like help support teachers is going to go a, a long ways. And I've seen that, I've been part of that. And I think that it is worth the time and it is worth the effort on everybody's part to learn to get along in that way. And I understand that supervisors have a lot coming down on them and team members that they're equal to trying to get that stuff done, the legal requirements from the government. And then the teachers and the paraprofessionals underneath them that are all trying to get their attention. And I I never wanted to be a supervisor because of all of that. And I still do not want to be a supervisor because of all of that. I do try to give recognition and credit to supervisors for what they do. I've sometimes been known in the past to make these little silly cards and drop them off on teacher's desks, uh, sorry, supervisor's desk with a little note just saying thank you so much from the special ed team. I'm hoping that it helps the supervisors feel good too, that they're getting recognized for doing a good job if they are. I don't tend to do it if they're not, so I don't know. I hope it was appreciated, and if not, well, I felt good doing it. Okay, and next we have another important group of people, gen ed teachers or general education teachers. These are the teachers that teach all the children with their math and their science and social studies and all of those different things. And they teach children who are typically developing. We put in students that are either struggling developing or maybe they have a learning disability so reading and writing is difficult for them or some other kind of disability. Special ed teachers and administration and the law expect the teachers to take these kids in and treat them the same as all the other kids while also supporting them more than what the other kids necessarily need support for and try to keep the peace if it's a child's behavior issue causing trouble in the classroom. So gen ed teachers aren't trained the same way that special ed teachers are and sometimes it's really really difficult for a gen ed teacher to do what is needed for the student that's in there with disabilities or students, sometimes it's more than one, and yet still pay just as much attention to all of the other children in their class. It's a hard boat to row and I think that the teachers that are the most successful are the ones who work with the specialists the closest, but I also know the specialists usually have very huge caseloads so they're not always there for the gen ed teacher. So it's a really tricky place to be in. And I try to always appreciate that the teacher is trying their best. But then again, sometimes I wonder in my head what the teacher is thinking. One example of that is I went in and a child was an English language learner or ELL. And um, the child didn't see very well. And the teacher had the lights off and the kid was at the back of the room and wouldn't stay in the back of the room. Finally, we kind of, I looked into it and, oh, 
he doesn't he doesn't see well why don't you move him to the front and oh okay so she moves him to the front but it was still the back of the section of the front I don't know how to explain it but it was ridiculous and I had kind of stopped by and kind of spy in there to make sure because I kept trying to explain to her that the child was English language learner and would need pictures, but if the pictures were hard for him to see, he's not going to understand the story. He's getting out of his seat to go and look at the pictures, and it was just just really round robin mess. Uh, so I don't think that ever got resolved, at least that school year, which was really too bad for that poor kid. But I've also dealt with many, 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 many teachers that are totally the opposite. They go out of their way to help the kid. They'll adapt something if I couldn't get to, to do it. You know, they'll have a, an arrangement with another child to read to them if they have learning disability and can't read their own materials. Just things like that and the teachers can be so incredibly creative and come up with these ideas that I wouldn't have thought of in a million years and so it's awesome that these teachers are taking the time in order to be able to to do these things for the kids and they don't really have to it's the job of the specialist to do a lot of that stuff so thank you to all of you teachers who do go out of your way to work with the kids in your classroom who have disabilities or find a way that the kid can get extra help and not be embarrassed by needing it, like teaming them up with a friend to help them do their work. Just thank you. Thank you. On that note, I want to say thank you. Thank you to administration. Thank you to general education teachers. Thank you to paraprofessionals, to other specialists, school psychologists, just about anybody I can think of. Oh, and definitely thank you to the parents. You guys are making it possible for our students to go out there in the world and make a big impact on it. And that is the foundation you are creating right now, the very kids that are sitting in front of you every single day. So thank you. And with that, Sterling and I will sign off and say good day to you and I hope it is a wonderful, wonderful day for you and a wonderful week.